Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week is a time when there are no easy answers. On Sunday, May 29th, we gather together as our nation mourns. Great way to begin worship and song and those kind of songs. We're going to weave the message throughout the, the morning in about three different parts. The original idea was that on this Sunday, the Sunday that's wrapping up a series on the flourishing life, that we would go back to the beginning and read the beginning of the book of John and, and the call of the disciples in through the lens of what we have already done. We're going to do that, but it's obviously through the lens of what is going on today as well. So it is not what we had ne- planned, it's not what we wanted, but this is what we have. And I find this passage in its own way holds up amazingly well and speaks into what we are doing today. Let me read a portion of it. It won't be on the screen. Uh, just I wanted just to focus on this one phrase. It says, the next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming and declared, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself, I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And then the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned around, saw them following, he says, What are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see. Come and see. Before the Bible is a book of answers, it is a book of questions. It is a book of really good questions. It begins with the question, where are you when I come to be with you in the cool of the day? Adam and Eve who are hiding, where are you? Where's your brother? Is another good question. Jesus asked the question, what does it profit a person to gain the entire world if they have to lose their soul? Jonah is confronted with the question, do you do, you do well to be so angry? Amos asks the question, what does God require of you? Do you know? Jesus talks to the man at the pool, do you want to be healed? All these questions, all these questions that before an answer comes, before we get to speak into it, it is good to pause and ask the question. And so the question that Jesus is asking today, what are you looking for? Now, on the surface, it seems like an easy answer. We're looking for the Messiah. Pretty clear. That's why we're out here. That's why we're looking. That's why we're listening to John. 
we're looking for justice. We're looking for hope. We're looking for an end of oppression. We're looking for some kind of freedom <clears throat> from the Roman Empire. By the time this, <clears throat> excuse me, by the time this was being written, by the time this was being written, in John's community, there was another set of questions that I think makes this a good one to start with if you're talking about the flourishing life with Jesus. So when they heard this, what are you looking for? Not only were the Romans still in charge, but Jerusalem had been reduced to rubble. It was no more. Israel was no more. And wouldn't be for another 2,000 years until the middle of the 20th century. It was gone. And it was just decimated. And so there's this almost despair more than that, as they were out in the world, as you read the book of John, as we have been, it is this, this the world is falling apart and they're being thrown out of the synagogues. This, this what Jewish renewal movement, revival movement, now they're being thrown out. They have no home in Israel. They have no home of worship. They're having to develop their own thing. <clears throat> and as Jordan read the question, the passage a couple weeks ago, there was also, if you read between the lines, their leader, John, the beloved one, had died. And they're putting together all the things that John had said. And they're gearing themselves because there was the question out there. There was the belief that that Messiah that John was looking for at the beginning wasn't going to come the same way. The whole question about whether John was going to die before Jesus came and the whole reason that has to be explained where he says, now listen, it doesn't say that, John, that Jesus would come back before John. It just that some people said Jesus just said, what if? And so you'll read between the lines, and John has died. Jesus hasn't come back. And the easy answers aren't going to work. God isn't going to bail us out the way we had hoped. The Messiah isn't going to come the way we had hoped. The, the deliverance we want and need isn't going to come in any way we suspect or could even imagine. So what, what are you looking for? I find that to be a pretty good bridge into today, don't you? That same kind of stun, that same kind of disorientation, dislocation. What, what are we looking for anymore? We keep coming back. We keep looking for answers. We keep finding ourselves in this same place over and over again. And we begin to suspect that maybe even our own easy answers aren't going to work. So where do we go from here? How, how do we find this life that we still believe is the flourishing life that belongs to Jesus? What does it mean to follow in a time when the path isn't going to be clear? It begins with the hard questions. It begins with the question, if Jesus is standing here today, I believe Jesus is here today, and Jesus asks the question, what are you looking for? How would we respond today? How would we respond? I'm going to give a moment of prayer from this. And as I do, what is your heart saying today when Jesus is asking, what, what are you looking for? Using the words of others that are putting together Maybe these will be our words today as well. Would you pray with me? Well, we're weary, oh God. We're heartbroken, 
We're heartbroken over the loss of more lives and children dying before they have a chance to live. Elderly who are just doing their Saturday shopping. People celebrating a luncheon at a church. We are weary of that. We are weary of the hopes and dreams that get extinguished and hopes and dreams get cut off and we dare not hope or even dream anymore. We are tired of cultivating a culture that trusts in violence. That we've helped to create a world that's not safe. It's not safe at school. It's not safe at church. It's not safe at the grocery store. Oh God, it's just not safe. And we are weary and tired. Tired of being too slow to act, too quick to lay the blame at others, and too often ending back at the exact same place. What do we want, oh God? We want a respite. A respite of violence, but more than that. We want answers that truly illuminate the darkness. We want a different path. That's more than just a temporary pause, but leads to wholeness. More than an ever-circling, ever-spiraling existence. We want honest discussions that, that are more than competitions to prove how right we are and how wrong the other is, and only to leave us no closer to any answers, only to leave us further away. Lord, we want deliverance. Deliver us, oh God, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Look, it's the Lamb of God. This is the one, John says, that I've been talking about. Look, this is the one who came to take away the sins of the world. Look, in this time of confusion and chaos, where we don't know where we're going, this is the sign, this is the sign from God that God is with us. As it has always been, the Lamb of God on, uh, that is celebrated at the Passover every year in the Jewish faith, it is the sign that from being slaves to the deliverance, from people who felt that they had been abandoned and forgotten by God, they had no place, they were completely separate from the will and the love and the plan of God, the Lamb comes, and it is the definitive sign that God is with them. It is the sign of a covenant. It is the sign that there is no place you're going to go, that God isn't with you. It is the sign of the possibility of a relationship because God is here. What better sign, what better sign for the people in John's time, in our time, as we are disoriented and dislocated, not sure where we're going, when the path isn't clear, to be reminded that even though the path isn't clear, what is clear is that God is here. And the work of the Lamb of God was not so much to pay a debt, that came later and with other images, but it was to remove the obstacle. It was to remove the fear of separation that we have been forgotten. And here, once and for all, is the sign that we will come back to again and again that no matter what God is with us. This is the one who takes away the sin, the separation from God. This is the one who removes all the obstacles. And before you start on a path, 
Just know this, that God is with you. But it is just the start of the path, if you remember the story. This was not an easy answer either. This was not the final solution. This was just the beginning. If you get this, now you're ready for the beginning. And as we know the story, it did not end quickly. It was not easy. It was grueling, it, and it continues to be. And what a great image for the, the sign that was going to be the beginning of a creation of what was going to be a new nation is also the sign for God is using to a creation of a new people, a new humanity. God is here, you are known, and you are loved. And God is present no matter whether you are in the high times or through the valley of the shadow of death. This is the sign that Christ has come, that there is nowhere we are going to go, that God doesn't walk with us. Rather, rather than try to explain all that, rather than try to explain that that wasn't going to look anything like what they were hoping for, thinking about, expecting, Jesus's invitation twice given in this passage is simple. Well, come and see. Come and see. I, at one point, Jesus says, there are so many more things I have to tell you, you wouldn't bear them. You couldn't bear them if I told you all that, all that was coming. You just couldn't grasp it. So come and see. Come and see. That's where I want to pause here at this part is the come and see part. Because the come and see, before we step into that next place that's unknown, that's dark, that's scary, it is always good to know that come and see builds on a past. It builds on history. Where have you seen it in the past? Where have you seen, if not with certainty, at least with confidence, the presence of God, the deliverance of God, the hope of God, the the quieting, grounding presence of God wherever you go. In this next moments, in this time of silence, let's start here. Let's remind ourselves that, that God's answer to the path, whether it is good, perilous, terrible, dangerous, or wonderful, is always the same, that God is here. And if you want to know what's next, let's come and see. But before we take that step, let's remember, where have we seen and where have we experienced? Where have been those moments of deliverance in our past that might be preparation for what God is yet to do in the future? <clears throat> so what, what does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus when the path isn't clear? What does it mean to follow when there are no easy answers? Jordan mentioned, leading into the prayer, that there is the part of us that when we have events like we have experienced, these, these incredible, tragic places of violence, that it is tempting to just move on. It, it, it becomes so numb and we, it hardly registers. And I wonder if there hadn't been three within about 10 days of each other, if we might have been tempted to do the same. Whether it was a grocery store in Buffalo, whether it was a church in Southern California, whether it was a school in Texas, all at once. And maybe, maybe that is what, that hits so hard. It's, it's inescapable, and we dare not try to escape it. 
We dare not try to escape it. The passage that we have is Jesus calling his disciples. They're calling them into following even when there are no easy answers, especially because there's no easy answers. It is hearkening back to when Jesus first called the early disciples. It is being written for a community that is on the way to following Jesus, and they are trying to figure out where are they going to go and what is it going to mean to be a follower of Jesus, to experiencing the flourishing life the life that is abundant in, in those times as well. And then it comes to us. What does that mean? There, there were two images in this. One was the Lamb of God. And the second, the second at the end of this passage, it refers to Jesus in an old biblical phrase as the Son of Man. The Son of Man is, uh, is the deliverer. It is the one who starts a new day. It is the one who decisively acts on the behalf of people. And it's a phrase that we have stumbled over a lot because sometimes the Son of Man does it with violence and sometimes it is also doing it in a way that begins anew because at its heart, the word Son of Man means this is the new humanity. This is the essence of everything that it means to be human. This is the one who says, follow me, imitate me, join me in my journey on, on this way to finding out what it means to, to become truly human. This is, in ways that we would understand that they would never back then, this is humanity 2.0. This is what it means to live so integrated between the, the physical and the spiritual, God and humanity in, as one. This is what this life looks like. This is what the world needs. This is what we need. And so some passages and some Bibles have changed so we don't talk about the son of man but they have in, in the version that we have been using they call it the human one i have to tell you i really struggle with the human one it just doesn't exactly roll off the tongue but it's accurate whether it rolls off my tongue or not it does get to the essence that this is the human one this is what it means to be human when jesus is saying follow me he is saying he is saying there is a different way to live there is a different path to take follow me 1968 conference of ministers over on the east coast theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, who had written the, the book that was so influential for me. It was called The Theology of Hope. They wanted to hear more about this. The conference was interrupted with the news that Martin Luther King had been assassinated. And it quickly dispersed as pastors were going back to their churches to brace for what was to come. And as we know, what was to come was more violence, more, more riots. It had, been, it had started with the summer of 1967 and 68. And that was a time when the world, at least in America, felt like it was being torn apart. Even without a billion cell phones to document it, we saw enough. And it was when he went home and was writing about this experience and writing about America. He said, this is a people whose official creed is optimism, even as they are knee deep in their own blood. The official creed is optimism, even as they are knee deep in their own blood. We need a different way to live. We need to find a different way 
to go about this. We need to get beyond the easy answers. We need to get beyond the slogans, and we need to do the hard work of figuring out what does it mean to be the kind of people that the world needs now that would signal that God is with us. And there is a path, and there is a way, of, and there is a deliverance. It's not going to look like you had hoped or thought, but it's there. How does this land for us? Here's a couple things off the top of my head and that are not meant to be easy answers at all. In fact, begin with, start with the anger and the grief. Don't, don't just move beyond it. Don't just turn the channel, at least not for long. Come back. Listen to it and listen what's going on in here. Because what it means to follow the Son of Man, the human one, the human one did not, did not deign to stay lofty and aloof, looking down at all the problems, making judgments. But the whole point of Jesus was to come, to know, to experience, to be with. The anger and the anguish are best clues about who God is and what God is doing. But then don't just stay there. There are systemic issues that are involved here, are there not? And it and they are numerous, and we don't even agree on them. There are some churches and some communities that we could say, well, here's the systemic issue we all need, and because of the type and demographic, they'd go, yep, that's it. And over here, you could say the exact same thing to another group, and you'd go, yep, that's it. We are blessed to be a church where anything you say, people are going to go, nope, that, yep, nope, no. We don't agree on anything. But that doesn't mean we don't do something. There are systemic issues, and whether you believe that there's too many guns, not enough guns, whether you believe the issue is doors or police, whether you think the issue is violence or, or video games, whatever you think that is, whatever that is, that systemic issue, do something about it. Don't just point fingers. Don't just make the easy answer, well, if they just changed, everything would be fine. I think we've been around here long enough to know that isn't the case. So do something. Do something that's part of being the humanity 2.0. Do something that speaks to what you believe is the issue at the core of it, that, that we share together. And then maybe, just maybe listen to what the other side is saying because maybe just maybe this is bigger and broader and deeper than anybody thinks. Maybe it isn't the fact, and maybe all the things that we are pointing to even now as we're looking for scapegoats, it's the, it's the people on the left, it's the people on the right, it's the people who want more guns, it's the people who want less guns, it's the people who are blaming the police, it's the people who are blaming the video games, it's the people who are blaming the schools because of the number of doors. Great, we feel good for a moment, but we haven't solved anything. And maybe all those are just symptoms of a deeper issue of who we are as humans and how we go about the differences and living with them, whoever them is. That we are all part of a culture that prefers, believes in, trusts in violence. 
we trust in violence more than we trust in anything else. It's in our games that we play. It's in our entertainment. It's in our books. It's in our TV. It's in our news program. It's in our politics. It's in our headlines. How are we going to do that? If we can at least agree that there is too much violence in our society, then how will we go about doing that? And there are things that are systemic, and then there's just things that are just interpersonal. I know it feels like, what can we possibly do? We can't change it. But here's what you can change. Here's what I found myself changing and being more aware of again this week. I've become more aware of the people within my 15-foot range, wherever I am, the interpersonal range that I'm in. I can do something about that. I can't do something about all the violence. I can't do something about all the dislocation and disorientation, all the hatred and all that. But I can do something about this person over here when I see that. Somebody, somebody sees that person who's walking into a grocery store. Somebody knew them. Somebody knew and saw something amiss with a shooter goes into a school or a church or the myriad of locations, movie theaters. and Somebody... And the question isn't what they could have done, but now what can I do? How do I come alongside as humanity 2.0? Do I stay aloof and far away, or do I come alongside and join with somebody, particularly those who seem most fragile? There is something I can do to create in this, this, this culture of violence, to create places of healing, and more than just respite, but truly places where there is peace. I can't solve all the problems, but that doesn't alleviate the responsibility to solve the problems that are in front of me. And then finally, because this is longer, this is bigger, and this is deeper than just all of that, there is the part that needs to be done in here. A wise friend once told me and had the phrase that I've come back to again and again over the years, don't waste pain. It's telling you something. Don't waste the pain of the situation that you're in. It is something, it is in your bones of saying this isn't right. Whether it is in the, the, the very primal, don't put your hand too close to the fire. It's telling you something, there's something dangerous. Or whether what is burning is inside of you, don't waste it. Something is amiss, listen to it. Listen to it because this is a possibility. There's a possibility only when we are hurting for real change. Because real change only happens when we hurt so much that we feel like we have to. When we know enough that we are able to. When we are inspired enough that we want to. The Son of Man, the human one, has come and is here and is inviting us to a different way of living and a different path to take, even if that path is not easy or clear and it begins i believe with acknowledging and not wasting the pain of this moment julie gorman is a excuse me amanda gorman is a poet and wrote this piece which is being called the hymn for the hurting and i invite you to listen to these words as a way of listening to what is and what could be at the same time. Everything hurts. Our hearts 
shadowed and strange, minds made muddled and mute. We carry tragedy, terrifying and true. And yet, none of it, none of it is new. We know it as home, as horror, as heritage. Even our children cannot be children, cannot be. Everything hurts. It's a hard time to be alive. Even harder to stay that way. We're burdened to live out these days while at the same time we are blessed to outlive them. This alarm, this alarm is how we know we must be altered. That we must differ or die. That we must triumph or try. And thus while hate cannot be terminated, it can be transformed into a love that lets us live. May we not just grieve, but give. May we not just ache, but act. May our signed right to bear arms never blind our sight from shared harm. May we choose our children over chaos. May another innocent never be lost. Maybe everything hurts. Our hearts shadowed and strange. But only when everything hurts. May everything change. Only when everything hurts. May everything change. May it be so, O oh God. Lamb of God, deliver us. Son of man, human one, lead us. And then help us to follow. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.